Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Betting Pros NFL podcast brought to you by BetMGM. I'm your host, Dan Harris, and you can find me on Twitter at DanHarris80. It is time for our early look at next week's lines, and with me to break it all down is Rob Pizzola, a pro sports better. Rob, how's it going, man? Uh, it's going well. Uh, interesting time of year now, obviously, with uh, everything getting into full swing. So this is one of my favorite times of year as a sports better. Yeah, me too. This is a really good time overall. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Thanksgiving. Uh, I feel like, given my profession, my uh, family has become pretty accustomed to uh, me being glued to the TV throughout Thanksgiving. So it's going to be pretty fun. But, of course, you know, we've got the three Thursday games here, a rarity for the season. So we've got a lot to look into. Now, Rob and I are going to go through each game on the Week 13 slate, and we'll be using the consensus odds over at bettingpros.com. Those are the aggregate odds that you're going to find from a bunch of different sports books. Now, the lines are going to move. As bets come in, odds makers are going to adjust. So pay close attention in case, like us, you particularly like or do not like any given line. All right, Rob, let's dive in here with the Thanksgiving games. And we'll start, as always, with the Lions game, the first game of the week. The Bears visiting the Lions. The current odds listed on our consensus odds are the Bears laying two and the over-under here at 39. Now, that has dropped a bit from the look-ahead line of 41 it's hard to back the Bears lately, but they do beat the Giants. Mitchell Trubisky looks quasi-competent. The defense still looks strong, though not quite as dominant as they did last year. Meanwhile, the Lions are still rolling with Jeff Driscoll. They lose to the hapless Redskins. They may have lost Snacks Harrison in this game. I, I'm not sure of the extent of the injury, but it's Thanksgiving. They're home. So how do you feel about the Bears laying two and the over-under at 39? So definitely the Bears are going to get a lot of Thanksgiving Day action here. I think both by the general public, and by professionals. And mainly that's because of the Detroit Lions injury report. So Jeff Driscoll limited in practice today because of a hamstring injury. There's a very realistic possibility that they're going to have to go to the third string quarterback, who is someone I've never heard of in my life. I believe his name's David Bro or, or something along. I don't even remember his name, to be completely honest with you. Was a backup at college, was the fourth stringer to start the season for the Cleveland Browns. So because of that, I just don't see much uh, anyone willing to really back the lines in this situation. I think the number will continue to climb. So get in early on the Bears. And not it's not just the quarterback position for the Lions. If you look at the early injury report, it is a complete disaster for them with a number of players either limited in practice day or not practicing whatsoever. So definitely the Bears going to get a ton of action. And I, I could see this even going above three, up to three and a half. It's very, very rare to see something move that much and through the key number of three, uh, especially when they were down around minus one earlier today but certainly i think there's just going to be a uh, a lack of resistance for all the bears money that's coming in do you think that any because again i saw the limited practice reports for most of them and again driscoll uh driscoll uh practiced but he was limited with a hamstring injury i mean do you think though that they're just kind of taking it easy here because i didn't feel like they came out of that game with being like oh man they're totally banged up i don't know how they're going to be able to turn around i didn't i didn't even know that driscoll was injured until I saw the practice report at all. Do you think that this is something where it could legitimately put their uh, their uh, playing time in jeopardy? So, I mean, I know you're obviously not an insider or anything like that, but if you do like the Bears, this is something then you, that you would take into consideration because you do think there's a legitimate chance, essentially, based on the practice reports, that they could be significantly limited? Yeah, I, I think at this point, I mean, it's it's always a judgment call in the NFL, right? I mean, when you're betting early or looking at the early board, you're not going to get the true scope of things. And sometimes things are going to work in your favor and sometimes things are going to work against you. Uh, you take the Eagles, for example, last week, who were expected to have uh, potentially Jordan Howard back and, and Alshon Jeffrey back in the lineup. And then Sunday morning comes and they're not playing. And that significantly affects the handicap of the game altogether. So you have to use 
reason. But typically when players are limited in practice, especially on a short week, uh, it doesn't bode well. And some of these guys not practicing altogether is, is a complete problem for them. Looks like they're going to have cluster injuries in the secondary. I think the Detroit Lions are a complete mess this week. And what makes it even more difficult is obviously, like I said, preparing with only three days, trying to come up with a game plan for a, a quarterback who's never expected to see time whatsoever against a very good defense. I'm just struggling to see how the Lions compete in this game unless the Bears hand it to them. And the Bears are fully capable of doing that. I mean, they run a horrible offense and they can definitely throw away the game with some turnovers. But uh, certainly I, I just see... Uh, like I said, there's going to be, there's probably going to be no resistance at this number and the, just money pouring in on the bears uh, to the point where the odds makers are going to have to really raise this number up. Yeah, no, I, look, I'm, I love the bears certainly at anything less than the key number of three. Uh, it's just really difficult to see a scenario again, unless the bear is essentially handed to him. And we know Mitchell Trubisky is more than capable of doing that, but unless they really hand it to him, it's a little difficult to see the lines coming in on top. So anything under the key number, I agree. If you like it right now, it's probably a good idea to get in. Let's move on to the bills at the Cowboys Cowboys here laying seven and the over under at 44 and a half look headline was seven and a half. So it has ticked down a little bit to the key number of seven, but not significantly. The bills get back on track here at home against the Broncos with a strong showing particularly defensively, but now they go on the road to take on what is essentially a desperate Cowboys team that lost an ugly game against the Pats where they really couldn't do much offensively. Not entirely their fault. Of course, the Pats are a great defense and the weather was abysmal. But how do you feel here? The Cowboys laying seven at home on Thanksgiving with the over under at 44 and a half. I think the likely you'll get market support on the Cowboys and probably on the over in this game as well. The Bills are eight and three by record, but a lot of the advanced metrics are not going to be appealing for them, especially if those who are handicapping using DVOA, where the Bills are 25th this year, the Cowboys fourth. Now, I don't know if that money's going to come right away. I think potentially if you're a sharp better, you'd much rather get the Cowboys at six and a half than seven. Uh, but ultimately, I just see this closing at seven or higher. I don't think there's going to be a ton of uh, sharp support on the Bills. In terms of the total, Dallas's offense is really good. Uh, their defense is not, and 44 and a half uh, right now is the as the consensus total in this game. Uh, I would probably see some support coming in on the over in this game, even up to 45, 45 and a half. Um, definitely not down below 44, which is a key number in the NFL. So uh, I think that that's the way it's going to head. I'm not sure if I'm going to be involved in this game uh, altogether, um, but uh, I, I do think I expect that the sharp money will be on the Cowboys and the over here. Yeah, I don't have a strong feel uh, necessarily for the line. I mean, I think at seven is about right. I agree with you, though, that the total, you know, I, I feel like the over is going to get the majority of the bets. I think I'll probably be in on that as well. I mean, I feel like in the end, given unless Amari Cooper is significantly limited, obviously he's been battling that knee injury and he was on the sidelines quite a bit during that game against the Patriots, despite the fact that it was close. So if he is hampered and it's a Thursday game, then that does change things. But assuming that he's a full go, and he practices in full this week and he's ready to go. I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a get right game, even though the Bills have a very strong defense. Of course, they're vulnerable against the run. So you'll see a lot of Ezekiel Elliott that could, you know, lean towards the under considering they'll want to run the ball. But I feel like this is a little bit going to be a get right game here for the Cowboys offense and the Bills can score as much as Josh Allen, you know, isn't the most accurate quarterback in the league. He's certainly able to uh, move the ball pretty effectively, both on the ground and John Brown is having a great season. So I do think that there will be points scored. So I agree that money and sharp betters 
will probably hit the over. Let's move on to the Saints at the Falcons, the night game on Thanksgiving. Saints here are laying six and a half with the over-under at 52 weeks ago. Look, the Falcons really manhandled the Saints in New Orleans, but the Saints here are obviously heavily favored. They're coming off that big win against the Panthers with the last second field goal. Meanwhile, the Falcons, who had looked outstanding the past two weeks, particularly their defense, come back down to earth against the Bucks. The offense looks completely out of sync. Julio Jones gets banged up. He's listed as it did not practice today. Again, I take it a little bit with a grain of salt on these Monday practices on a short week because I think they're just being careful. But he is listed as a did not practice. And again, he was in and out of that game with the shoulder injury. So how do you feel here? Saints on the road laying six and a half with an over under of 50. I'm not high on the Falcons this year. I've been betting against them quite a bit. I'm also not high on the Saints. But really, I think the Falcons, uh, a lot of the yardage that they've put up this year has been in garbage time. And that's kind of inflated their yardage numbers and their yards per play numbers when they've been trailing for a lot of the season. Uh, with that said, I do expect that eventually we're going to see some market support on Atlanta just because they played the Saints so tough a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but ultimately, I think that move is going to come late because when you think about this, this is the third game on Thanksgiving Day slate. Uh, the reality is the public betters are going to see New Orleans minus six and a half. They're going to think that that's free money. And there's just going to be a ton of money on the Saints regardless. Either it's the chase game of the day where people have lost earlier on in the first couple of games and now they're kind of doubling up on the Saints. Or it's the opposite where they've won earlier in the day and they feel comfortable to put their bets on the Saints. So there's going to be a large handle on this game. If you're a sharp better, uh, why bet the Falcons early now knowing that there's going to be a ton of money coming in on the Saints regardless? So I think ultimately closer to game time, you'll see some um, money come in on the Falcons. Potentially, we might see this get number get up to seven, seven and a half uh, before you see some resistance there. I don't think I will be involved. I, I mean, seven and a half, I'd certainly consider the Falcons at home, um, especially, like I said, with the way that they played the Saints tough a couple weeks ago. That defense really showed up to play in that game. Uh, but aside from that, I, it's not a game that I love. I definitely sports books will be cheering for the Falcons outright win because the Saints will probably be involved on in every single teaser imaginable this weekend as well. Um, so huge liability probably building for books on the Saints. Yeah. How do you feel? How do you think about that when books are I mean, you know what's going to happen on this game, right? Despite the fact that the Falcons beat up on the Saints uh, two weeks ago, the public this just screams when you're under a touchdown. It screams the public to back the Saints. Do you consider that at all when you're thinking about a line and saying like, it really seems like the books are sort of inviting the public to go here and they're probably going to be on the hook for a Falcons, you know, if, if the Falcons fail to cover, I mean, does that factor into your equation as to who you're going to back each and every week? Or does that something that you have your model and that's all there is? I, I don't factor in public bets. I, I think there's a little bit of a misperception with the whole fade the public uh, thing. And I mean, people are always like the books, the books win money. So if you're just on the same side of the books, you're going to win money over time. Uh, but there's a number of, of fallacies or just problems with that line of thinking. The first one is that the books are making the majority of their money off of parlays and teaser bets, not right. necessarily straight bets. Uh, so the hold on straight bets is significantly lower than that of parlays and teasers. Then on top of that, the books charge a VIG. Um, when you're betting the same size as, uh, side as a book, you're paying a VIG, uh, whereas they're charging the better the opposite. So I, I, I'm not a big believer in the fade the public strategy. I don't think books are typically uh, setting the public up for some type of bet or anything like that. I think in this scenario, it's pretty simple to me. Uh, they've put out a line that will probably see the public bet one way, sharps bet the other way. It kind of counters a little bit, um, but ultimately it's not a big factor in my handicapping because... 
I mean, the, the reality is the public still does get games right. And if you're going to continuously just uh, ignore your opinion on a game because other people like it as well, uh, I think you're doing yourself a disservice. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And, you know, part of the thing I also think about is that I feel like there are times really where the books don't mind taking a side. And I think that that's fine. I mean, they're, they're not always going to be right. And I think it's fine if they're not just looking to balance it out, if they know they're going to be heavy on the Saints and they're willing to take that risk. And I, I think sometimes that's what's going to happen. So I agree. You know, I don't I don't always feel comfortable necessarily when the vast majority of, you know, it's something like, you know, let's say 70% or above are with the public. It does make me a little queasy and it at least makes me rethink how I'm looking at the game. But I like the insight into not letting it really control your decisions. Let's move on here to the Eagles at the Dolphins. The Eagles here currently laying nine and the over under at 46. The Eagles, as you mentioned earlier, they're just decimated offensively, missing a ton of skilled players. Jordan Howard, Alston Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, injuries up and down the offensive line. Carson Wentz, you know, is banged up. Apparently, he's going to play in this game. Uh, and then there are the Dolphins. You've got Ryan Fitzpatrick. You've got Devontae Parker. And that's pretty much it. So how do you feel here about the Eagles? It's a big number here, laying nine over under 46 in Miami. I think ultimately this is going to come down to the Eagles injury report. Because at the end of the day, if you do have a somewhat healthy Eagles team, they are. I know they're only five and six on the year. I know Carson Wentz hasn't looked good. But they're still significantly more talented than the Miami Dolphins, who really don't do anything well. So Ultimately, this is one of those where I would just advise waiting to see what happens with the Eagles injury report. I certainly wouldn't want to back the Dolphins. Uh, personally, I, I sort of talked about this on the Periscope that I do on my Twitter each week, but the Dolphins had these, uh, I would call them regular prices early in the year. I mean, they were touchdown underdog to Baltimore. There were some games where the spreads were realistic and then they weren't covering. I think it was four straight games to start the year where they couldn't cover a spread. All of a sudden, you got these massive inflated numbers, 17 points, 20, 21 points, and the Dolphins covered a string of games in a row. And now we're back down into what I would call the reasonable range. And I, I don't want to back the Dolphins at what I consider to be a somewhat reasonable price. In order to back Miami, I, I need it to be an obscene number because this is a really bad football team. So for me, it's ultimately going to be Eagles or nothing. Uh, I still do think, that, I mean, the Eagles are better than a five and 16. They're 10th in DVOA. They just haven't been able to put it together this year, offensively and defensively in the same game. But certainly if they get some weapons back, especially Alshon Jeffrey would be a really nice one for them to actually have a number one receiver. Uh, I could see some market support on the Eagles here in this number going up even further. But I ultimately do think that this game and where this line moves is going to be dictated by who is playing for the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday. So let, let's say that the reports for the Eagles, by the way, I do want to mention, I neglected to give out Rob's Twitter handle at the beginning. He's at Rob Pizzola at his name. Um, it, let's say that the uh, injury reports are great for the Eagles, right? Everybody certainly is coming back. Lane Johnson, Alshon Jeffrey, Nelson Aguilar, Jordan Howard, and everything like that. Where would you expect this line necessarily to move throughout the week? I think you'd see a creep above 10. Okay. Um, I, I mean, ten and a half. You might start to see a little bit of buyback on the Dolphins. I'm not quite sure on that, uh, but I think it could get above ten, uh, depending on the on the injury status for the Eagles. All right, let's move on to the next game here. Jets at the Bengals. Jets here are laying. It's now down to three and a half. It was legitimately four when I checked five seconds before we started recording, and the over-under is at 41, and I'm sure part of the reason that it is on its way down is that the Bengals came out today and said that they are going back to Andy Dalton as opposed to Ryan Finley. Certainly that makes them a stronger team if you've seen Finley play lately. The Jets, though, they continue to roll. They look solid offensively, so long as they can face a team without a pass rush, which 
is kind of what the Bengals have. So how do you feel here about the Jets laying three and a half, the over under at 41? Yeah, it's really tough with the Jets, obviously, for the reasons that you just mentioned. They're playing much, much better as of late, but they really haven't played anyone. It's been cupcakes for them for a while now with uh, the Giants, the Redskins. Now, I don't want to call the Raiders a cupcake, but not the greatest scheduling spot for the Raiders with the early start on the East Coast, having to play the Chiefs in the next week. I mean, the Raiders pulled uh, Carr in the third quarter of that game. That tells you all you need to know about how much they're preparing for the Chiefs coming up uh, this week as well. But uh, ultimately, I do think you're going to see a couple things here. We saw a little bit already, as you mentioned, but I think more money will come in on the Bengals. I think more money will come in on the over in this game, barring some really bad weather in Cincinnati. And that's actually something I should point out. Typically, this point of the year, um, totals in half of these games are going to be influenced by weather. If it's windy in these East Coast cold places, um, you're going to see the totals come down in these games, regardless of the matchup, just because we know that wind is such a factor in games. Uh, ultimately, if you see clearer conditions uh, and games not being super cold, you probably see them go up. It just really has an influence later on in the year as we go on. But I do see a bigger than a half point difference uh, between Finley and Dalton, and I think the market will see that as well. So I think this number probably comes down to, to plus three. Uh, I think this total probably on the rise to closer to 42, 42 and a half. Uh, again, barring some really bad weather in Cincinnati. I'm not saying I love either, but I, I think that's what the market will support. Yeah, I would I would go with the over on this. I think both teams are going to be able to move the ball fairly effectively. Again, you know, the Jets, they've been able to move the ball for the majority of the year. Again, it, it's largely dependent on the pass rush. It's why the Raiders laying three was a little bit surprising when you looked on the surface. But, you know, they're the type of team that, you know, their defense had been playing better, but they certainly don't have a strong pass rush that fits right into the Jets' hands. And again, the Jets' defense is largely better against uh, the run. That's where primarily the Raiders like to to live their life uh, through Josh Jacobs here. And again, the Bengals, uh, they aren't great, but Dalton certainly adds uh, a bit of a dimension that they have been missing in the past couple of games. So I agree. I think the over is going to tick up. If you like it, you should probably get in now. And I could see also the spread continuing to trickle down as uh, the market reacts to Dalton coming back. Now, before we move on, I want to tell everyone about the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. Long gone are the days of needing to run to the counter and place your bet. With the BetMGM Sports app, you can place a bet right from your phone. Here's all you need to do. Search for the BetMGM Sports app in your app store on your phone, download it, and sign up for an account. And when you sign up, you're going to want to use our promo code HARRIS because when you do, you're going to get a risk-free $500 bet. If you lose your first bet, BetMGM is going to refund it up to $500 for future wagers. These things where you're basically given guaranteed winning bets are kind of frequent with BetMGM. There have been boosted bets where if the Patriots scored a point, you won regardless of your side. There's been boosted bets where so long as the Jets and Giants didn't tie, you won. Seriously, there are a ton of great things on the app, but you need to sign up for an account and use our promo code Harris. The winnings are paid in free bets and you must be 21 years or older. And although you can sign up and easily deposit money anywhere, you must be in the state of New Jersey to place a sports bet, and certain restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for the full list of terms and conditions. And if you've got a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, let's move on here to the Titans at the Colts. Colts here are laying three with the over-under at 43. The Colts is a tough one on Thursday to the Texans. They do get that mini-buy, of course. They're still down Marlon Mack. He's already been declared out for this game. The Titans, look, they continue to look extremely strong offensively now that Ryan Tannehill is under center and Derrick Henry 
gets rolling in this, you know, cold weather games as he often does. They've got some injuries to their secondary, but overall their defense is playing well. So how do you feel here in the divisional game? Colts laying three over under at 43. I don't think we're going to see much movement on the side, to be honest with you. I think there's a pretty uh, large contingent of the population that probably views these teams as equal teams. Uh, with that said, the Titans have been drawing some money lately. They end up closing four and a half point favorites over Jacksonville with a lot of late money coming in on that game last week. Uh, I think probably what you'll see is the total being bet up. That's been a consistent trend now for Titans games for the most part and for the reason that you just mentioned. I'm not a Ryan Tannehill fan, but you can't argue with what he's done uh, in the limited sample so far. Now, granted, there's been some bad defenses in that spot, but ultimately he's been able to move this offense. He's gotten their success rates up to a respectable rate. Yards per play way up for the Titans offense as well. So 43 seems like a, a short number. Uh, I think this will be bet up probably to 44. So I think you'll see some money on the over. In terms of side, I think you're more likely to see the market back the Colts because of that mini bye week, because the Titans are coming off of a blowout win. Uh, I think potentially you could see some Colts market support, but probably not too much. Uh, maybe up to minus three, minus 120, something along those lines. Uh, I personally like the over in this game, just even talking in, talking myself into it now. I do like this Titans offense quite a bit. I think Indy can move the ball on this defense as well. So 43 seems like a short number in, in good conditions uh, in, in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil. Yeah, and the look at line was 42, so it's already trending up with good reason, as we mentioned with Tannehill. This strikes me as a game that's just not going to be heavily bet. There just doesn't seem like an obvious side here. It seems like a pretty even matchup. That's why, you know, a divisional game with the Colts at home laying three, I don't see much movement, sort of exactly what you said. I don't see that this line is going to move. I'll be shocked if it ends at anywhere other than minus three, unless people are, are really, you know, because of how dominant the Titans looked against the Jaguars and how good Ryan Tannehill looked and Derrick Henry, unless they're sort of buying into that. I would really expect this to be a not particularly heavily bet game, at least on the spread. But I agree with you that the over-under is probably going to tick up. And I do as well kind of like it, certainly at 42 at the look headline, but even at 43, because I feel like both teams are going to look to establish themselves offensively in this one. Let's move on to the Browns at the Steelers. Browns here are laying one. The look ahead line was Steelers laying one and a half. So things have certainly changed there. The over-under at 40. The Steelers continue to really do nothing offensively. Duck Hodges manages to get them a win, but, you know, they're probably still without James Conner. They're probably still without Juju Smith-Schuster, who's battling both the concussion and the knee injury. Meanwhile, the Browns continue to roll over Miami. The offense looks much stronger now that they've added Kareem Hunt when they have the two back sets. It's really making things work there. Jarvis Landry playing extremely well. There's some bad blood. The team's met a couple of weeks ago. You've got the whole Miles Garrett thing hanging over their head. And again, Miles Garrett being out, you know, is does affect the Browns' defense, even though you didn't really see it against Miami for obvious reasons. So how do you feel here? Divisional game in Pittsburgh. Browns laying one with the total at 40. Yeah, you're certainly going to get that revenge game narrative uh, for the Steelers, obviously, with what transpired a couple weeks ago. Uh, what I'm looking for here is the status of Olivier Vernon on the Browns' defensive line, because with him out, they're missing both of their best edge rushers in Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon. So that could certainly give, I'm, I'm assuming Hodges this week, I'd be surprised if they went back to Rudolph, but I'm assuming Hodges uh, will have some time in the pocket. And I think he's capable. I think he's a better quarterback than Kyle uh, Mason Rudolph. I'd certainly be more interested in backing the Pittsburgh Steelers with Hodges under center. Uh, personally, I do think you're going to see some market support for the Steelers at some point. I think they'll close a favorite uh, their numbers are pretty good defensively this season. There's probably not much separating these two teams. And when you consider that the Browns ended up closing around a three-point favorite against the Steelers uh, only a couple weeks ago, now all of a sudden are laying points on the road at Pittsburgh, 
I think that's probably too much of a uh, reversal just based off of Cleveland's game against Miami, who's really just a, a deplorable football team. So I think you're going to get some support for the Steelers here. And personally, I, I do like the Steelers, but uh, I would not want to be backing Rudolph. I'd certainly be more likely to bet Pittsburgh with Hodges under center. Yeah, I can't imagine that it's going to be Rudolph coming in. Just, you know, again, Hodges didn't do all that much. It was really one 79-yard catch and run by James Washington, but certainly the offense looked a little more alive uh, with him under center. And I I agree with you here. Um, I think the public is probably going to back the Browns in this game, you know, laying one. And even if that creeps up, you know, I'm sure it won't get to three or anything like that, but even as it creeps up. But I agree. I kind of like the Steelers here playing at home. You know, probably, you know, there's some bad blood here going on. But I, I agree the Steelers sort of, you know, look, I, I don't know. I don't think Mike Tomlin is the greatest coach in the world, but he certainly is able to get his guys up when it looks like they should just be completely fading away. And this is exactly the type of game where you think they're just going to come out and come out flat, but I think the defense is going to come out strong. I think they'll do enough offensively to be able to move the ball. So I do like them getting points, certainly, um, and it's probably going to be a game that I'll be in on coming in. Let's move on to the Redskins at the Panthers. Panthers here currently laying 10 and the over-under at 39.5. Redskins come off that big win against the Lions, but, you know, they do not look good offensively. They get a special teams touchdown. And all field goals, Dwayne Haskins really probably is not ready to be an NFL quarterback, but I don't begrudge the Redskins for throwing him out there at this point, given the lost season. Panthers, meanwhile, they show some life offensively, certainly uh, against the Saints, but they lose that heartbreaker game. After Joey Sly misses the field goal, they are desperate for a win here, returning home. How do you feel? It's a big number. Panthers laying 10 with the total low at 39 and a half. I honestly have zero feel on this game whatsoever, side or total. It's really difficult to obviously back the Redskins in any capacity. And like you mentioned, you know, they're coming off a win. They got a special teams touchdown in that game. Dwayne Haskins is not a pro quarterback right now. He's, he's pretty easily far and away the worst quarterback in the league. I mean, he misses very routine throws. He just is horrible decision-making altogether. So Washington, very similarly to Miami, if I'm going to back them, I want it to be an obscene amount of points. Now, some might argue the Panthers is double-digit favorites. I mean, the Panthers are 27th in DVOA this year. Uh, it's a pretty bad number for a team that's laying 10 points. They're coming off an emotional loss against the Saints. They put a lot of effort in that game. Could conceivably be a flat spot for them. But I just can't will myself to bet Washington in any way because the offense is so, so bad. Uh, it's one of these games that Carolina can sleepwalk for a, an entire half or even three quarters and still manage to put together one good quarter and cover the spread. So uh, not a game I'll be involved with on side or total. I actually really have no idea where the market's going to go with this one either because I just think that there's a extreme reluctancy to back Washington. And we saw it this past weekend uh, where actually money came in on Jeff Driscoll as a three and a half point road favorite, brought that number up to four. Uh, at the Redskins. So really no one willing to support Washington right now. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't blame them, but I don't, I don't think this is a week where people are going to jump on the bandwagon. No, for sure. I mean, the look at line was nine and a half. It's already moved up a little bit to 10. I can't imagine that there's going to be money on the Redskins. You know, I, I don't really know. I, I kind of want to like the Panthers, but 10 is just such a huge number. Again, you know, I, I feel like the only way I would be worried really coming to the Panthers as if they had either won last game or been on a, a winning streak. And this could be a game that they just look past, but at this point they're pretty desperate. I think they're going to come out firing both offensively and defensively, but at 10, that's just a number that I really don't feel comfortable with. Certainly not the Redskins, but at this point with the Panthers, with the way they've sort of been unable to close the door, 
it's a little difficult uh, for me to get behind him. Let's move on to the Packers at the Giants. Packers here are laying six, which is down from a look-ahead line of seven and a half. The over-under at 46 and a half. Packers just embarrassed on Sunday night against the 49ers. They lose their tackle, Brian Balaga. I don't think it's a serious injury, but I doubt he'll play this week. They fall into a tie, I believe, with the Vikings, although I think they own the tiebreaker. Meanwhile, the Giants are what they are. They put up a fight against the Bears, but they're really just not a very good football team. Saquon Barkley has not looked completely healthy. They're not showing up either offensively or defensively. I believe Golden Tate was placed in the concussion protocol, so there are a lot of injury concerns going on here. How do you feel about the Packers on the road laying six with a total of 46 and a half? Yeah, I think the Packers are going to be one of those sides that's both a, a square and a sharp side this week, if I'm being honest. I think probably uh, up to seven, you'll see support on the Packers at minus six and potentially minus six and a half. I mean, this is one of those get right spots for them, so to speak, embarrassed in prime time. Uh, and now they're going to take out the frustration on the Giants. And that's going to be the narrative, I think, from the public. Um, but just in general, from a sharp perspective, or if you're just backing the game on numbers, the Giants don't really do anything well. Uh, offensively, they're challenged. They turn the ball over a little bit too much. Defensively, they've just, I mean, they've been Swiss cheese now. Granted, the Bears didn't move the ball on them, but the Bears don't really move the ball on anyone. So you can kind of throw that game out the window. Uh, so I, I think you'll see a little bit of support for Green Bay here. Nothing crazy. Uh, and certainly sportsbooks will be rooting for the Giants. But uh, it's really hard to keep, make a case for New York right now. I mean, they're a 2-9 football team for a reason. And I think early when Daniel Jones came in earlier in the year, uh, there was some hope, but I think that's slowly kind of fallen away with this team. Yeah, I mean, I agree that, uh, you know, I think under a touchdown at this point, there's just going to be so much money coming in on the Packers. And I agree both sides. I like the Packers and, I, you know, I don't mind being aligned with the public. And again, you said that's not necessarily something that you need to shy away from. So I agree coming off really just, I mean, they were embarrassed on national television. I think they're going to really want to sort of establish themselves both offensively and defensively and I think they come out with a big performance and again the Giants just you know just seem like they're going through the motions at this point so it's really a difficult team to back even on a good day let's move on to the 49ers at the Ravens the Ravens are currently laying four with a total of 46 now we're recording this on Monday before the Monday night game uh, between the Ravens and the Rams so we haven't yet seen the Ravens but the 49ers as I mentioned incredibly impressive against the Packers they get healthy on offense George Kittle comes back he looks good even though he's playing with the apparently chip bone in his ankle the defense continues to be extremely strong it's a really good game here how do you feel assuming nothing crazy happens tonight no big injuries or anything like that how do you feel here about the Ravens laying four and the total at 46 yeah, I, I will say the the, the game, to, the Ravens-Rams game is going to affect this line in all likelihood. I mean, um, if, if the Ravens win in an impressive manner, this probably moves up to four and a half. If the Rams somehow win the game tonight, uh, it probably comes down to three and a half. So that's going to have an impact regardless. Uh, I mean, it's always going to be appealing to be taking points with the 49ers. I think that's a pretty complete football team. Offensively, maybe just average. But uh, again, like you said, getting the weapons back, especially George Kittle, which is huge for them. Um, that's going to be a better offense going forward. The defense has been really good this year. Um, but what I'd particularly be looking at is probably the total in this game. And I think I'm going to like the over in this game. Uh, I do think that the Ravens present some challenges altogether for pretty much any defense that they face. Uh, again, uh, I, <laughs> I could change my opinion depending on how they face the Rams tonight, how they show up against the Rams tonight. But they're a really well-coached team. What I like about Baltimore is that uh, Harbaugh is very aggressive. So they go for it on fourth down, uh, which I think lends itself to overs. Either the drives continue or they leave themselves with the other team with good field position and the Ravens with bad field position. So at 46, 
uh, I would expect a little bit of money to come in on the over. That's probably where I'd look at this game. But uh, certainly I need to reserve my judgment on the side for uh, after I see the Ravens play tonight. That's a great point on Harbaugh. And there was this great story about how he, you know, has hired a young, you know, I don't know, 25-year-old uh, analytics guy who basically has transformed him into somebody who plays the odds much more and those odds usually mean to be aggressive so he does that which again as you mentioned does kind of lead its way more often than not to high scoring and towards the over uh i i'm a little i agree with you generally speaking um with the over I, the total i don't have a great feel for whatsoever i i feel like i cannot get a great feel for the 49ers it's a great football team but i feel like every time i'm ready to completely back them they lay up a little bit of a dud like against the cardinals where they still win um but they don't really look overly impressive uh and the total yeah i would lean towards the over as of this moment i think both teams are going to be able to put up points um but it's not something that i feel overly confident in let's move on to the bucks at the jaguars jaguars here are laying one this is down from the look headline of laying three and the total at 49. Uh, the Bucks come off the big win against the Falcons. They continue to have the same exact script. A strong passing offense, a strong rushing defense, and no pass defense despite that strong game against the Falcons. Meanwhile, the Jaguars get totally abused by the Titans. Nick Foles has not helped much offensively since the switch from Gardner Minshew. So how do you feel here about the Jaguars at home laying one to the Bucks with a total of 49? Yeah, this one's a really, really tough one for me because I've actually backed the Bucks a lot this year and I've lost money in doing so. But typically I do uh, like this Buccaneers team, uh, but it's going to be really hard for me to get behind them at this price. Um, but obviously, I mean, just following the Jaguars the last couple of weeks, you have to have a really sour taste in your mouth the way that they've lost to the Titans and Colts and they've been thoroughly beat down in the process of those two games. Uh, ultimately, though, I do think the number is a little bit short. Um, I think the Jaguars should be priced probably closer to two and a half point favorite in this game. And I, I ultimately think, I mean, it's going to be hard for people to stomach, especially for big money. But I ultimately think that some money will come in on Jacksonville in this game. Uh, I, I think that they'll get one more shot to kind of uh, to prove themselves. But at this price range, it's going to be really tough. It, it is just because of how poor they've looked in the last couple of weeks. And like you mentioned, Nick Foles not really offering anything for that offense. But then again, the Bucks' pass defense might be the cure for that. Uh, I also see the total at 49. It's been interesting with the Bucks this year because they've had a lot of high totals that have been bet down. I'm talking about totals of around 52.5 to 54 that have come down. And conversely, when they've had lower totals in games, they tend to be bet up. Uh, so I think this will probably be bet up. Uh, just thinking about this in my head, I do see this as a game where there's going to be a lot of points. Uh, so I'd be looking at Jags uh, minus one and over 49 in this game. And I mean, the thing is the Bucks, you know, the number gets bet up, but I mean, they hit the over almost every week, don't they? I mean, I don't have the number in front of me, but I think they've been hitting the overs um, even when they're ending up high. Uh, yeah, I kind of lean towards the Jaguars here. I agree at three, uh, you know, I, Laying one, I think the Jaguars are going to come out ahead here. I've also backed the Bucks a number of times. I think that they've kind of been undersold um, by the numbers that are being out there. But in the end, it's so difficult to back Winston um, because you know at some point he's going to have the back-breaking turnover. Overall, I kind of think this is going to be one of the games where the Jaguars at home look to take care of business. I do think they win. I do like them um, laying one uh, at this point. And the total, I don't have a great feel for it. I, I need to, to get into it a little bit more, um, but it, it's difficult to go wrong going over with the Bucks, generally speaking. 
Before we finish up with our last few games, I want to remind everyone about our giveaway. It's a signed Odell Beckham Jr. Cleveland Browns helmet. Our contest is running through November 30th, so you've got a few more days. You can go to bettingpros.com slash contest for more details, but to enter, just leave a review for the show on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com. Now, the Beckham helmet and all of our signed helmets come from Pristine Auction, where they offer a ton of great memorabilia with thousands of auctions every day. So go to pristineauction.com. That's P-R-I-S-T-I-N-E auction.com. And when you go there, use our promo code bettingpros and win a free $5 voucher instantly. All right, let's move on here to the Rams at the Cardinals. Rams are laying three and a half with the over-under at 47. As we mentioned, we have not yet seen the Monday night game between the Rams and the Ravens, so we don't know exactly what they're going to look like, so this may affect how you view the market. But the Cardinals are coming off a bye. Kyler Murray continues to be able to put up points, but their defense, really nothing to write home about. They don't get much pressure on the quarterback, and that's kind of the key to getting in Jared Goff's head. So how do you feel here, again, without seeing tonight's game, Rams laying three and a half on the road, the total at 47? It seems, before tonight's game, it seems like the right number to me, uh, three and a half at least. Uh, the total I could potentially see coming down a little bit just because of the Rams' track record away from home for the most part and Goff being a pretty bad quarterback uh, away from home. But ultimately, I look at the Rams and the Cardinals and it's two teams that I'm pretty reluctant to back for the most part. Um, the Rams purely due to the inconsistency on offense and just Jared Goff not being able to successfully move the ball on a regular occasion. And the Cardinals, to me, uh, seem like they're somewhat outperforming their metrics for the most part. I still don't know what to make of Kyler Murray. Some games he looks really good, some games he doesn't. But ultimately what it comes back to for both these teams is that I find them to be extremely inconsistent, and those are not teams that I like to get involved on for the most part. So three and a half seems like the right number to me right now. That's where I would have opened it myself. Uh, Again, like you mentioned, the Rams-Ravens game will have an impact on where this number goes. Uh, But ultimately, um, I I doubt I'm going to have a bet on this one in Week 13. Yeah, I mean, I think the spread looks about right to me as well. I am interested in watching tonight because... For me, I kind of like the under. It just look, Jared Goff has not looked anything like the quarterback that we saw in the beginning of last year for essentially a full NFL season at this point. And, uh, you know, of course, the Cardinals don't have a great defense or anything like that, but I really don't think it matters at this point. So what I really want to see is whether or not they come out. It's a tough defense with the Ravens tonight, but I want to see if they come out with any sort of wrinkles that they can do. They're going to finally have all three of their receivers, it sounds like, if Robert Woods plays and Brandon Cooks looks to be back from the concussion, but it's really about their offensive line, which is just a bunch of no-names at this point because they've been so decimated there. And with the Cardinals, look, I like Murray as a player, but, you know, I feel like they script the beginning for him. He looks good, and after that, he's just kind of, you know, running around and trying to figure it out, and he's so talented that he's often able to, but I really like the Rams' defense since they've added Jalen Ramsey. So for me, with the total at 47, I kind of lean towards the under, but I admit that I want to see what the Rams look like off a bye tonight against a tough defense in the the, uh, Ravens. Let's move on here to the Raiders at the Chiefs. Chiefs here are now laying 9.5. Look, headline was 10, so it's down half a point. The over-under is 51.5, and, and the total was 54.5 with the look headline, so it's certainly come down from there. Just as we mentioned earlier, terrible loss here for the Raiders against the Jets. They just did not show up. They generally struggle at East. Derek Carr doesn't usually play all that well in the cold. They are also down now Hunter Renfro, who injured his ribs, and I believe is going to miss the rest of the season. Now the Chiefs are coming off a bye. They're home. They're probably going to be pretty healthy overall, so it's a large number, but how do you feel here in a divisional game? Chiefs in Arrowhead laying 9.5 with the total at 51.5. I think you'll probably see a little bit of money come in on Oakland. I don't think there's enough 
I mean, of a discrepancy between these two teams. I still think the Raiders are an above average team in the NFL. And I know that they got blown out last week and they look really bad in the process and they're kind of coming down to earth, but I still think they're above average team. Uh, so certainly the points are tempting here. Obviously you'd much prefer a plus 10 than a plus nine and a half with, I mean, 10 being, I don't want to say a true key number, but I mean, it's, it's a, a valuable number for the most part. Um, the total is very interesting to me because, like you mentioned, look ahead at 54.5. I actually think this number opened at 54.5 and, and has been bet down. I think that's probably gone a little bit too far, if I'm being honest. I think you'd see some buyback up to around the 52, 52.5 range, um, especially with the Chiefs coming off a buy. I mean, I, I'm going to be really surprised if the Chiefs don't score 30 in this game, and I think the Raiders' offense can keep up. So personally, I think this total has been bet down too much. If I'm looking at the game from a side perspective – I'd somewhat lean to the Raiders, but I think I'd prefer the over at 51 right now. Yeah, I agree with you that the over is what stands out to me. I I feel like, you know, there's too many, uh, you know, negative implications being drawn from, you know, the way the Chiefs didn't really, you know, put up a dominant offensive performance in Mexico City against the Chargers. But of course, not only did you have the thin air, which certainly affects things, but you didn't have Tyreek Hill in that game. And he reportedly is recovering from his hamstring injury. So he's playing well. So if everyone is there at this point, I really think that he is going to be, uh, you know, the the team as a whole is going to put up a big number offensively. I agree with you that 30 points seems like it's going to be something that they can easily get to. So I agree with you with the total coming down from 54.5 to 51.5. I agree that I like the over. Let's move on to the Chargers at the Broncos. Chargers here laying 2.5. Now this was a look-ahead line of a pick so it certainly moved in favor of the Chargers. The total at 38.5. The Broncos surprised the Chargers by beating them in Los Angeles last time, but Brandon Allen just 82 yards passing against the Bills on Sunday. It's not a strong offense. The defense still generally hangs in there, but they're not quite as dominant uh, as they have been in past years. Meanwhile, the Chargers are chargering. If Phillip Rivers could run a two-minute drill, they'd probably be a 500 team by now. But, you know, they've got they've been injured on both sides of the ball. The offense just kind of looks out of sync I don't know whether or not Rivers is just reaching that point in his career he's 37 years old where it's starting to go downhill so how do you feel here about the Chargers laying two and a half in Denver with the total low total of 38 and a half yeah this one's a really tough one for me because if you had asked me this a week ago I would have loved the Broncos at plus two and a half but obviously um, what you saw to Brandon Allen this week was just a deplorable performance and I mean, he just doesn't have it. I mean, he's not an NFL quarterback. He's not NFL caliber quarterback. And in a league that is very quarterback driven, um, that's obviously a challenge. But is there enough separating the Broncos, even with Brandon Allen at quarterback, um, to be two and a half point underdogs at home to the Chargers? I mean, would they be catching more than a touchdown if they were on the road here? I doubt it, uh, especially when you consider that they just closed as a three and a half point underdog at Buffalo uh, a week ago. So it's... It's tough because you don't want to put too much stock into one week, but it's it's really hard. Ultimately, I think you might see some more Chargers money bring this up to three before some sharps get bring this number back down to two and a half. I don't see it moving a whole lot, uh, but if it does move a whole lot, it's probably going to be to the Broncos who have been a pretty, you know, sharps have been willing to back them this year because they've had so many close losses. Uh, I think there was four games going into last week where they lost by a combined 10 points. So Easily could be a team that's above 500 right now. Instead, they're three and eight. Uh, when you look at DVOA, they're still ahead of the Chargers this year. Um, so ultimately, I think you'd be more likely to see people back, back the Broncos than not. Uh, and then depending on the wind, I know 38 and a half is a low total, but based on what we've seen out of these two offenses recently, uh, we'll probably see some support for the under in this game as well. 
Yeah, it's a low one, but I agree that if uh, there's going to be support one way or another, I think more money is going to come in on the under. This is not a game that I have a great feel for, man. I mean, that, but you know, both teams essentially. Look, I like the Broncos actually this week uh, against Buffalo. Um, I, I for pretty much all the reasons that you say, they're certainly still competing, even though they're way out of playoff contention. But in the end, they just never seem to be able to close the door. Now, they weren't close in Buffalo this week. But yeah, like you said, they easily could have been a 500 team had some things broken differently. But the Chargers really, again, you know, it's just it's not happening right now for them. And when they have a chance to put it away, they're not able to do it. So it's not a game that I feel real good about. If anything, I agree. Despite the total, I kind of like the under at 30 and a half. Let's move on to the Pats at the Texans. Patriots here are laying three and the over under. At 44 and a half, the Patriots continue to win despite looking lackluster offensively. They're also pretty beat up. They were down Mohamed Sanu and Philip Dorsett this past week. I don't know if they're going to play necessarily. I haven't seen the practice reports yet. Uh, their defense, though, look, it remains outstanding. You know, it's not quite as dominant as it looked in that long run against subpar teams early in the season, but they they certainly continue to put up quality quality efforts uh meanwhile the texans they win against the colts in a game that was essentially a must win on thursday but they are far from impressive on either side of the ball you can throw on them pretty easily deshaun watson his play is kind of sporadic as he's running for his life often so how do you feel here about the pats laying three and the over under at 44 and a half it's a tough one because this one feels a lot like patriots ravens from a few weeks ago uh in terms of the way that it's set up the texans have a little bit of extra rest coming into this game um, the only difference between the Patriots Ravens and Patriots Texans is that the Ravens actually have a very good coach and the Texans don't. And that's what I really struggle with in this game. It's why I struggled to back Dallas, even though they covered the spread against New England this week, is because this is Bill Belichick against Bill O'Brien. And that's a huge co- coaching mismatch. So I think you're going to see this bounce around between three and three and a half all week long. I, I think you'll see sharp support on both sides of this game. I really do. Um, but it's really tough to bet against the Patriots when you don't like the opposing coach, when you're not getting a big number. Um, now, granted, they don't look like the Patriots of the years past, especially offensively. So this is what I think you're going to see some market support on the under here. And that's been pretty consistent with the Patriots over the last four to six weeks here. And I know the total will be 45, be considered low for the Texans, uh, who typically have a pretty good offense. But even they've been struggling offensively lately. Uh, struggled to put away the Colts last week as well. So uh, I think you're going to see this total come down potentially to 44, which is a key number in NFL totals. And if I was looking to back this game, that's what I would like under, under 45. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that the total is going to be bouncing back and forth. Look, the the if you look at bettingpros.com and you have, you know, maybe eight or nine sports book listed there, you know, uh, it, it's like five of them are at minus three and five of them are at minus three and a half. So it is probably going to be bouncing around there. I do expect the Patriots to win this game for if for no other reason than exactly what you said. It's it's a coaching uh mismatch for sure. And realistically, if the Patriots get healthy and they get a little bit more in the receiver, I do think, you know, Brady has not looked good. The team as a whole has not looked good. You know, the the um the weather in New England was terrible uh, yesterday. Uh, against the Cowboys it's really tough to take anything from that I think they are going to be able to come up with some wrinkles and again the Texans you know it's not like J.J. Watt was doing that much this season but certainly defensively you can really exploit them so I do expect the Pats 
to uh, be able to at least win by three. If it gets above the key number, uh, I'm going to get a little nervous about it. But overall, I'd lean towards the Patriots on the spread. Let's move on to the final game, the Monday night game, the Vikings at the Seahawks. Currently, the Seahawks laying two and a half and the total at 49. It's a big game here. The Seahawks continue to basically outperform all models and the talent they have on their team, and they just pretty much win each and every week. They win a sloppy game against the Eagles in bad weather, even though they were down to Jadevian Clowney. They win nonetheless. Meanwhile, the Vikings are impressive of late. They have that big comeback win against the Broncos. They should get Adam Thielen back. The defense is not anything to write home about, particularly the pass defense at this point. But how do you feel here? The Vikings at the Seahawks on Monday night. Seahawks laying two and a half with a pretty high total, as has often been the case with Seahawks here uh, at 49. Yeah, I think this is, again, just uh, a scenario where, depending on the number, you'll have support on either side. So, at two and a half, you probably see the Seahawks get bought up a bit or people snatch those two and a halves, even if it's a little bit more uh, big on those. I think at three, certainly you'll see people want to back the Vikings. And it's pretty easy to make a case for both of these teams here. Uh, obviously, if you're making a case for the Seahawks, you would allude to Kirk Cousins' historical performance against good teams. I'm not sure how much stock I put into that because I think it's a little bit overblown. Uh, but obviously, if you're looking at the Vikings, you can point to a lot of advanced metrics that show that the Seahawks are probably a little bit overrated as well. Personally, I think this total is low at 49. Uh, I do think the Vikings can move the ball on the Seahawks defense. I think the Seahawks having such a good defensive performance against the Eagles has really kind of misled people a little bit because Carson Wentz missed a ton of throws in that game, looked really, really horrible. The Seahawks still don't have much of a pass rush. We'll see the status of Jadavian Clowney, but if he's out, that's even that's music to Kirk Cousins' ears uh, because I just don't think the Seahawks are a great defense overall. So personally, I think this total is going to get bet up. Uh, I think by game time, you could see it in the 50s. Uh, and I, I see both these teams scoring points. It's one of those where I, you know, from a, a numbers perspective, I do like the over, but also just thinking about it subjectively, I think there's going to be plenty of points in this game. Yeah, I completely agree. I don't like the spread. I just, you know, I, I think the Vikings are a better team, but, you know, Wilson really is playing at an MVP level right now. It's not, you know, on Monday night in that building, it's not really a case where I'd want to bet against the Seahawks uh, at this point, but the total, 100% agree. Both these teams are, you know, they, they have the reputation of having these great defenses, but in the end, they're really both exploitable, and I think both offenses, look, I think since the Vikings have kind of opened it up a bit offensively here, and, you know, they have the dominant run game with Dalvin Cook, but since they've opened it up, especially with Adam Thielen coming back, I think they're really going to be able to put up a lot of points here, and the Seahawks can as well, you know, they have two solid running backs, and again, Wilson is just basically able to do whatever he wants, so I agree with you completely. If you like the total, which I do, which it sounds like Rob does, then I think getting in on it now before it starts creeping up past 50 is probably a good idea. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. Rob, it was really great having you on. I thought you brought a lot of exceptional insight uh, into the game. And you used the word deplorable twice, which I think <laughs> is, is really a an underused word uh, in our in our vernacular. So, uh, And I think they were both apt, as one of them was to describe Brandon Allen. So absolutely right on. Uh, remind everybody where they can find more of you and your work. Yeah, uh, just follow me on Twitter, at Rob Pizzola. Uh, I mean, if you have betting-related questions, my my Direct messages or DMs are open on Twitter. So, uh, I, you know, I try to answer as many of those as possible. Um, so, yeah, that's it. I mean, I have nothing to promote aside from uh, my Twitter account, but certainly I love talking sports in general uh, and I love connecting with other people who talk sports. 
Yeah, if you see uh, Rob's Twitter account, you'll see him from when he was on Periscope. He had a lot of great insight. So he's a great follow. Rob, really appreciate you coming on. I hope we can do it again sometime. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks again to the sponsor of today's show, BetMGM. Remember to download the BetMGM Sports app and use the promo code HARRIS to get your risk-free first wager of up to $500. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast and send a screenshot of that review to contest at bettingpros.com for your chance to win a signed Odell Beckham Jr. Browns helmet. We will be back later this week earlier than usual because of Thanksgiving, giving some our best bets for Week 13. I'll talk to you then. 